Hello, everybody. Who wants to hear a good story? Who wants to hear a story about bravery? Who wants to hear a story about sadness and then happiness and then joy? Okay, we invite all the kids to come forward and sit on the floor here, and I'm going to tell you a really good story. And if your child is real little and a parent wants to come with them because they feel more comfortable, that's fine too. Come on up. So glad you're here. Welcome, everybody. Well, today we're going to hear a wonderful story that has a lot of meaning for all of us. Are you guys ready? We'll wait till everybody's kind of settled here. Okay. One summer night, a family was deeply sleeping in their home. Can you show me how you sleep when you sleep in your home? They were so happy to be together as a family. But down below on the beach, there was some noise. And there was the sound of heavy footsteps as some men climbed up the hillside toward their home. And when they got to their home, these pirates burst into the home. And the father called out to his son, Patrick, get up, get up. The pirates are here. They're invading our house. And before Patrick could jump out of bed, the captain of the ship grabbed his arm and pulled him from bed and said, you're coming with me. And he took him away from his family, and he took him down the hillside to the beach and onto a ship. And when Patrick was there, he started crying. He was scared. What in the world was happening? Where was his family? Would he ever see them again? Patrick was put in the bottom of the ship along with some other prisoners, and these pirates took him away to a strange land. And when he got there, the captain of the ship grabbed him and pulled him in front of a great crowd of men and said, all you men out there, I have this strong boy. He would, he would work for you. Who wants to pay for this boy? And one farmer said, I'll take him. I need somebody to take care of my sheep. I'll pay you double for that boy. And Patrick became the property of this farmer. He was a slave. He had to do exactly what the man said. And every morning, he would be told to take the sheep out into the pasture. And he would be there all day long with the sheep watching over them to keep them safe. And while he was alone, he often thought of his family and wondered if he'd ever see them again because he knew they were very far away. So Patrick one day thought, I never really listened to my father very much when he, told, when he read the Bible to me and told me stories of Jesus. But I'm going to decide to pray and see if God can help me. So he prayed, Dear God, I'm all alone here. My family is far away. Would you be my father? Would you take care of me? 
And when he prayed this, he felt a great peace come upon him because God would watch over him. And sure enough, after a year or so, Patrick had a dream. Show me how, how it is when you dream. Show me how it is when you, when you dream. And in the dream, somebody said to him, Patrick, it's time for you to go back home. Come and see the ship where you will be sailing home. So Patrick tiptoed out of the slave quarters where he was sleeping, and then he ran as fast as he could down to the beach. And there he saw a ship. And the captain said, what do you want? And he said, sir, would you mind if I come aboard your ship and go on your voyage? And the captain said, what do I want with you? Just another mouth to feed. But then he said, wait, don't go. The men on the ship say they want you to be here. So come along. So Patrick got a ride on the ship. And as the ship was sailing along, they ran out of food. What in the world are they going to do? No food. So they landed on a shore in a faraway place. And the captain said, okay, Patrick, you trust in your God. Why don't you ask him if he'll get us some food? And Patrick told the captain, God is always the God of the impossible. He will do something just for, you, for us. And all of a sudden, from the bushes, they heard, oink, 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 oink. What kind of animal is that? A pig. A pig, yeah. So they had a really good meal. <laughs> so when they, got, when they got further along on their journey, they finally arrived home to, in Britain. That was the land where Patrick was from. And Patrick ran off the ship, and he ran to his home, and he jumped into the arms of his dad and hugged his mother. And they were so happy to see him. They had no idea what happened to him. And he told them of everything that had happened. And as time went on, Patrick decided that he wanted to know more about Jesus. So he studied the Bible and learned as much as he could about Jesus. Because he knew God had saved him. And he knew God had a purpose for him. So, as time went on, he had another dream. Show me how you dream. Very good. And in the dream... He heard a voice say, Patrick, it's time for you to go back. And his parents didn't want him to go back to this strange land where people were mean and held slaves. The land was called Ireland. And Patrick knew that God want, had a purpose for him, that this was not a mistake. So Patrick said goodbye to his parents and sailed away again. And as he sailed... He knew that he was sailing into danger. People didn't like him there. They didn't like what he had to say about God. They didn't like that he was trying to help people learn to read and write. But Patrick was brave, and he knew God would be with him. So Patrick went back to, England, to Ireland, and from then on, he spent the rest of his life there, taking care of people, teaching them to read and write, and most importantly, teaching them about Jesus and his great love for each one of us. And one of the things that he, one of the things that he um, 
taught them was about this. What's this? A clover, right? A clover. A clover is always is often associated with Patrick because he used the example of a clover to talk to people about God. Because the clover is made up of one leaf, but it has three parts, right? One, two, three. Simon? It's the Trinity, exactly. The Trinity was hard for the people to understand. How can there be one God but three parts to one God? So Patrick used the shamrock or the clover to illustrate that. Our God is one God, three in one. Now you may never be uh, taken by a pirate and sold as a slave, and, and you may never have people be mean and nasty to you because you love Jesus. But you all have a purpose from God. He wants you. He needs you to be his spokesman. So from now on, when you think of St. Patrick and celebrate him on St. Patrick's Day on March 17th, remember, the real story is not about games and fun and celebrating. The real story is about a man who was brave and gave his life for Jesus. Awesome. Thank you, Kathleen. I got to get my snack. I'll be right back. I'm sorry. I'm going to wait. Hey, everybody. So um, John is off this weekend uh, with family. They're down in uh, Florida. Uh, for those who have not met, I'm, I'm Jim, and he asked me to help out a little bit today. And if you are used to normal church service, we're going to make things even more awkward for you today. So we're going to have kids. We're going to have noise. And now we get to do something that my wife loves that when we do, which is we get to do testimony time, or sharing time. And uh, so I'm going to try to facilitate that a little bit. But the goal here really is to think about what we've just gone through um, in, as a series or a campaign, right? We talked about the table. We talked about communion. We talked about service. We talked about leadership. Um, we talked about unity within the church. And during the course of that, we know that God's been doing things, right? We actually believe in the church that like God is doing stuff. He's not just an idea. He's not just a theory. He's, he's real. And we know that when that's true, then God does things in our lives. And it's great when we can come together and share some of that because it gives others an opportunity to be encouraged uh, by what God's been doing for you by giving you a chance to share. So um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to walk through a couple of topics and a couple of questions and then hopefully we can use that as a chance to share with each other what we're doing. So let's go on to the first one. And uh, the first, a quick recap. We talked a lot about communion. We, obviously, we called it the table, and we talked about communion. And we talked about it being a celebration of what God has done and honoring some of the past. Uh, we talked about remembering, you know, Christ's Christ death, remembering who we really are and how it helps us identify who we are in Christ. And also recognizing our need and remembering our need for Christ. So we, we experienced in some of the circles we were in and different folks did different things and, and experienced community in different ways. So if we flip to the next one, um, opportunity for sharing here is how have you come to appreciate communion more? Or said maybe differently. 
during this campaign. So uh, our, our man, Hoops for Hope, Bevan, as I'll correct calling him, yeah. has Mike, and I want to give you guys a chance to, uh, to share. If anybody wants to go first and talk about how maybe their view on communion has been different, or maybe they've experienced it in a different way. Anyone? See, this, like I said, this is one of those fun times. I guess if kids running around didn't make it awkward enough for you and coming to church today, let's, let's just have the silence of the microphone. We got someone? Did I? Oh, aha, uh-huh, here we go. Uh, my name's Abby, and we've been coming to LifeBridge for about a year or so. Um, and uh, I've always had a lot of anxiety around communion since I was a little girl. And I was always kind of hyper-analyzing, like, am I getting everything? Like, am I confessing every sin? Like, I don't want to come to the table with all of this extra weight on me. And so that has, Pastor John has just been really, as he's been going through things, it's really relieved a lot of my anxiety in coming to the table. And it's, I've been able to actually celebrate it instead of being so focused on examining myself. I still do that, but it's not causing me anxiety. So I can actually celebrate with my fellow brothers and sisters, which is awesome. That's fantastic. Yes, thank you. Thank you for sharing. Yeah, it's, it's interesting how we bring a lot of de- our own definitions, right, into what communion is and what we thought it meant. And I think John did a fantastic job of helping us see some other sides of that. Anyone else? I'd be curious to know if anybody tried anything different around communion, because I know as an example, like in our circle, uh, Sean and Stephanie Eisner kind of lead our circle, and, and we did communion together as a, as a group. And uh, it was a great experience. And it was interesting to think about that because I think for a lot of folks, they were like, hey, you can't do that. Like, that's, it's got to be different. Like, there's rules around it and everything. And yes, there are certain things that scripture says we should not do, right? But there wasn't any reason we couldn't do it together. And it was, it was a lot of fun for us. I think it was, it was very, very rich. So if you haven't tried that, I'd encourage you to. All right, last chance. Anyone else? No takers? Okay, we'll move on. I'll let you off the hook. All right, so then we talked about uh, greatness and uh, greatness in the kingdom of God being humble service. So we talked a lot about service and and humbly serving one another. And, uh, you know, this is just one of the many scriptures that we pull out of there. But uh, for even the Son of Man did not come to be served, uh, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. So in that vein, uh, and as a, as a backdrop, we can go to the next. And I'd like to hear some folks share about witnessing or experiencing the humble service of others in the church. And maybe it was in LifeBridge. That'd be great. And maybe it's been in other churches you've been in, other things. I'd love to hear some stories about that. Yeah. Hi. Um, I'm a part of the MOPS groups, mother of preschoolers, and we kind of older as well. Um, but we have several women from LifeBridge come and serve 
um, with childcare every week so that the moms can have a break and learn from whatever lessons. And so um, Jody, Cecilia, Cheryl, Angela, Karen, and, oh, and Helen. So all of them have been serving in different capacities for the whole school year. And so it's just a really a blessing for all of us moms. That's cool. That's great. Anybody else? Someone up here with curly hair that I know. Um, I set up the meal trains at LifeBridge. Um, and what I get to experience is see all of you serve each other. So I go through the work of setting them up, but then I just, and then there's this stress moment where I'm like, oh no, is anybody gonna sign up? These people need help. Uh, and always, I've probably said this before, it's just like, boom, 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 I start getting the emails that people are signing up. So I just get to experience all the people here at LifeBridge that humbly serve um, others by making meals and just watching that happen. Even, I know a lot of, like you young moms, your lives are so full and you're still cooking meals for others and still signing up, which just astounds me. So thank you for doing that. And I know the people that receive them are so appreciative. And we just, we're in the middle of a meal train right now. We just did two others before that. So it's just been boom, 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 boom. And you keep signing up. That's great, thanks. Yeah, I know it is, it's probably a little bit awkward, a bit of an oxymoron here, like, hey, let's talk about how the humble people are being humble and humble brag about them. So, okay, I get it. But, but it is, I, I think, I think I've, I've seen this in a lot of folks who do a lot of things behind the scenes that people just don't know anything about. And they don't want, they don't do it because they want credit. They don't do it because they want accolades. They do it just because they have a heart for you and for the community. And so I, I love that about our church. I love that about you guys and the way that you do that. Okay, let's, let's roll the next one. Um, so we talked a lot about hospitality. And, uh, you know, John spent a good amount of time helping us kind of course correct our cultural definition of hospitality because we think of hospitality, you know, in America of like opening your home and serving big meals and, you know, having lots of friends and being a socialite or whatever we've done with it. But that's not actually what the Bible says about biblical hospitality. And it really talked about being a friend of strangers or foreigners and showing love to them, sometimes in a difficult way, sometimes in a difficult season, and sometimes with absolutely either no return or negative return on your investment. And that's really hard to do. And sometimes we have to do it, though. So I'd love to hear some, uh, some stories about that. Let's flip to the next one. And uh, maybe somebody showed hospitality to you. And there was, um, you know, there was, uh, Tammy shared uh, last weekend about how when they moved to Michigan, they knew nobody and they were trying to get reset and people just kind of came around them and, and got them plugged in. Um, so that was a, a great reminder. Maybe you've had something like that happen in your life or something similar. Love to hear any stories about that from anyone here. Sandra. Uh, my story is, is I, my family and I went up to the Dells last weekend, and um, there was a lady sitting at a table, and I had gone up to ask, if you've ever been to the wilderness, you know it's packed. And um, so, you know, not too many people are willing to share. 
And so this lady said that she would share the table with us. And I sat down to talk to her, and she had just lost her husband on Tuesday um, and shared with me this. And I said, yeah, I'm in the same boat with you just six months. And so, you know, we had talked, and I had talked about she was at a loss. So I was able to, you know, share Jesus Christ with her and tell her it'll be okay. It's just going to be tough, and you will get through it. And rely on your family and friends. Don't feel bad about doing that. And so, to me, that was, you know, God putting her right where she needed to be with me in that same boat. So that's cool. It was kind of really cool. Yeah, that's great. That's great. Anyone else? Over here. Jenna. Um, I literally have a story of the definition that was given up there. In 2014, I moved to Barcelona, Spain, kind of on a whim, just felt like I needed to, and I met a missionary couple there, and I ended up living with them for three months, and it was incredible, but I think that was just the definition of what was up there. Like, they didn't know me, I didn't know them, and they just welcomed me in and literally fed me, gave me house to, to live in, and gave me um, spiritual food, so. Very cool. Thanks, Jenna. I don't, this is, this is mastery at work, by the way, being able to talk with three kids climbing all over you. Like, it's incredible. Yeah, I would have lost my mind a long time ago. <laughs> yeah, and we have, we have like, I, I think we have a lot of people, again, doing this. If you, there's a lot of things going on behind the scenes with folks who are taking in foster children, folks who are taking in safe families' kids, folks who are just helping friends and hosting them. And they're probably not going to talk about it. They're the ones, there's a lot of showing of hospitality going on in this church. And like, like, I just love that. I love the way that, that everybody here has a heart for that and, uh, and likes to do that. So any other chances to share? Next one. Okay, well, one more. Okay, so this last one is, is about unity. And we talked a lot in the table about Table's a place of coming together, not just for communion, but communion and the table are metaphors for unity, and unity within the church. And um, we talked a lot about the importance of unity, right? Because uh, as in John, John 17, um, I've given them the glory that you gave me, that they may be one as we are one, I in them and you in me, so that, right, so that they may be brought to complete unity, then the world will know that you sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. So there's a lot of emphasis here on unity in that. And um, let's, let's go to the next one. Maybe, uh, but, but it's not easy, right? John has talked a lot about the fact that unity is hard because we're all broken people. <laughs> and so we kind of do dumb things sometimes. Uh, and maybe there's a time or situation that you were challenged, you know, you experienced a challenge unity within the church. It doesn't necessarily have to be Life Bridge, it could be someplace else. And then how you still, like, powered through that. Like, maybe there were some challenges. And you worked them. And you came through on the other side. God showed up. I'd love to hear about that. This is, this is the hard test, right? I'm going to call on Thorngate. I'm gonna, no, I'm not going to do that. Just kidding. Just kidding. 
Now, I can, I can share that in my prior life, um, <clears throat> I was part of a church that merged with another church. And uh, it didn't go so well some days. Maybe some days better than others. And as you can imagine, that's, that's a lot. And yet, God was really gracious to us. He helped us realize that some of these things were things he was trying to do and things that were kind of counter to what we were trying to do. And that it wasn't really our church, it was his church. And we had to trust in that and ride through that. And it's a long process. It was, it was a long process, but it, it turned out really good in the end. Um, but it can be really challenging because we don't necessarily want to go the direction God's going. Sometimes we want to kind of go our own direction. So... See, I, I, I knew if I nudged him, maybe he would. Maybe he would say something. <laughs> I was, I was going to raise my hand, and then I thought about maybe not after you called me out. But <laughs> No, I think, I think in, um, for me, in the, in the last few years, when we've had, you know, um, it's just been a difficult decisions in, in our church and in every church. And I think I can think back so many times when I was, um, when I was frustrated with, uh, with people or with somebody or whatever and and specific moments where God would use would use uh, a specific situation maybe it was a need that they had maybe it was a need that we had our family the thorn gates or um, just something they did to to help reorient my heart towards them and and start to see them for who they were and who God created them to be instead of um, instead of seeing them for what they weren't I think when things are hard, it's really easy to do that, to see people through that lens of what you wish they were instead of what they are. Um, but when, when you have a need and when people come around you um, or when they have a need, you know, when, when those sorts of things, I think they really help reorient your heart towards, um, towards just a loving view of that person, the way that God uh, would want you to see them and I, I believe the way that God sees them. Um, and so... I don't have one specific situation necessarily, but I think I've, I have a lot of those in the last few years that I'm really thankful for. And even in this series, I think the, I didn't grow up doing communion every, every Sunday, um, but just that, the simple repetition of doing that every week and, and having this unifying thing that is about our shared need, um, I think was a really, it's just, it is a good unifier in that sense because it is the one thing that we hold in common, you know, um, when we participate in it together. We all participate in the worship differently. We all listen to a different percentage of the sermon. <laughs> um, but that's the, that is that unifying thing. And so for me, that was powerful during this series. Um, and yeah, just, again, those needs and meeting them for one another and how that would, how that would refocus our hearts and our thoughts towards each other over the last few years. Um, uh, was a big part of, I think, how we remained unified. Yeah, cool. Thanks, John. That's great. I've actually got one really quick. Yeah. So I know, like, microphone guy doesn't get really a chance yeah, you to... Can. Yeah, it's cool. I got, I got two really brief ones. Um, this one just came out this week. Uh, I think the first time the church almost split was when we were deciding the paint color of this room. And um, uh, I had to buy some last week to do some fixes, and it's like, it's something ridiculous. I mean, it's like this crazy light pewter or something, like specific brand, 
50% saturation because, like, it was too much of it, whatever. So anyways, we made it through that, and uh, we can still get it, thanks that Carol still works at the Reinemans, and we can still make this color. Um, so that's one. And then two is, uh, last year, most of you, I'm sure most of you know this, um, we, uh, half of our pastor staff <laughs> left. Uh, like stepped down as a pastor in a really good way and it like didn't break our church apart and like not because of a scandal or a, a thing or whatever but like I was so impressed with the church like it didn't even come up like whoa like what happened what do you do you know like it wasn't that at all like and it we're great because of it and I'm so proud of our church for making it through this you know in every other case I've been aware of is an explosive situation you know, half the church leaves, half the church, you know, all this stuff. And it, it didn't happen. It was really wonderful. We made it through this great thing, and I'm proud of us for that. Yeah, it's a great call out, Bevan. Thank you. Yeah, absolutely. Anyone else? Last chance. Okay. Well, I think we can, uh, we can resume. Now, all your ang- Oh, Michael Scott. I'll see. There you go. He had faked me. <laughs> Kind of waited on this because I wasn't sure where it where it fit. I think Jenna probably was close as I could get to it. But I'm a lifeguard at the wellness center, and I go, hey, "That old guy, yeah, come and see." I still really am. But um, I've met a number of people, and this gentleman came through, and the Lord just led me to him to become a counselor for him, um, to get involved in his life and everything, from clearing out a. 5,000 square foot house to finally becoming the executor of his, his, his uh, estate. And uh, so we built up a confidence over time. And I would, I would uh, pray before going to see him. And I would take time to think about him during, during the day. And, okay, Lord, what, what do you want us to do today to enrich his life because of what you've done for him already? And he was brought up within the... Um, a very traditional church, um, but never really understood a personal relationship with Jesus as the one who died on the cross for him. So as time went by, and this could take a half hour to tell you, but I'm going to cut it down to about one more minute. He went into the hospital um, at 88, almost 89 years old, and he never came out again. But Kathleen and I had gone up to see him, and one evening that we were up there, um, we came quietly into the room because he was sleeping. And he woke up and he said, Michael, you're here. And he said, I had the most terrible dream. I was just terrified. Everything was black. I was so frightened. I couldn't believe it. And I turned around and Jesus was there. And he said I could come with him. And the next day, hell died. So you never know what an impact you're going to make. It's not you. It's Christ working through you. Thank you, Michael. Absolutely. I'd be curious to hear from some folks who would want to share. Next slide. Um, what, maybe how you've come to appreciate communion more during this campaign. How maybe you're looked at it differently. You've thought about it differently. You experienced it maybe differently. I'd love to hear any of that. Tom's got a, a mic in the back, so Shoot a hand up if you want to share anything. This is where the Jeopardy music plays. Oh, John's got one. Good. Thank you, John. (laughs) 
Whoa. All kinds of things happen in church here. I just don't know. <laughs> well, one of the things, you know, I think during the pandemic, we all did communion in a lot of informal ways because we were at our homes. And I think God taught me through that just the fact that communion could look a really different than what I'd always seen it as very somber and, and only done in one location and kind of mysteriously appears on the table and it mysteriously disappears. And, but I think the thing that jumped out at me over this last session or this last uh, set of uh, sermons was really about the relational side of communion. How there's, we're in relationship together, it's like a meal. So you're, you're not doing it in isolation as a person, you're doing it with a group of people. And I hadn't really ever thought about that kind of that relational component. It's not just me and God, but it's me, God, and a whole group of people that are doing it together. That's cool. Thanks, John. Yeah, I think and I, I, one of the things in that vein I was thinking through was um, around the remembering part was that I think so many times in the Christian church we, we tend to think of us as being separated from the Jewish tradition. Right? It's a new tradition, a new covenant, everything else like that. But so much about communion was a remembrance of what God did through the Jewish people and that we are connected to them through that. So anyway, Mindy. Yeah, um, so you know, like it had to be prepared like more often because, you know, it was the campaign. And so one of the weeks, two sisters were, I won't call them out because they're probably here, but two sisters were like putting it together and like I roped myself in and I was like, oh, show me how to do this. And there was so much joy, like in the serving of the communion that I just loved that, that these two kids would be like, yeah, we get to do this thing. So anyway, it's a celebration thing. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah. Anybody else? Um, so in church, there's usually a pastor standing right where you are, Jim, and he leads communion. And um, so that's that's always how it's done. The pastor has to do this. Um, and... Um, I had led, uh, Steph and I, when we uh, renewed our vows many years ago, uh, I did communion with her. So that was just between the two of us. Um, but as kind of a challenge, we had a bunch of friends from church together, and uh, we decided to do communion. And because of, not because it was at our house, but it was at our house. So um, I then became the one to lead communion. And it puts you in a completely different place um, when you have to, you don't have, but how do I, how am I going to say this? How am I going to do this? Am I going to look foolish? Am I going to sound weird? Uh, so it was just a good challenge to just go ahead and do that in front of a bunch of friends so it's safe. Um, but it's just, it puts yourself in a different place and you realize there's no special thing here. We all have a relationship to God. We don't need to go through our pastor to have something this special happen. We can do it directly. Yeah, yeah that's cool. Yeah, we did it with our, I've shared the uh, earlier service too. Um, Sean and Steph kind of lead our circle, and we did it together as a circle uh, during one of the times, and uh, that was great. I mean, it was just fun. It was very intimate. Um, it was something different that I don't think some people had experienced before, and uh, it was pretty cool. Anybody else? Going once. No, okay. You're shy. That's all right. We got, we got three more. All right, let's go. Let's roll the next one, Ross. Um, so, oh, there's one before this. There it is. Awesome. So, uh, we talked about greatness in the kingdom, 
and being great and what does being great mean and actually one of the big ways is humble service to other people like which is you know as we talked about uh, and this is one of the verses that called that out but in mark uh, for even the son of man did not come to be served but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many and so uh, it's a great reminder that in our culture we think of greatness in many ways but our culture does not say this about greatness, right? But that's exactly what Christ says about greatness. So I'd love to hear, um, Ross gave you a sneak peek, we'll pop to the next one. Um, so how have you witnessed or experienced the humble service of others in the church? And it might be here at LifeBridge. That'd be great to hear about that if you want. Um, it's always nice to humble brag on your, on your friends, right? Uh, but uh, that's just the funny thing about sharing about people being humble. They don't want you to share about that, but whatever. But maybe it's not. Maybe it's been someplace else. So, love to hear some stories about about that. And I know there's lots of them because we have a lot of people serving. Laney, right behind you. Yeah, you do because we're recording. Okay. Yeah. So don't screw it up. We're recording. Um. Sandra, uh, I always mess up her last name, Dewa, whatever. Um, husband died, as we know, John. Um, I don't know how many months ago now. About six. Yeah, about six months. Six. Mm -hmm. But this was her first Valentine's Day, and we were in Florida. And I got home, and we have this stack of mail we have to go through. And lo and behold, I find a card. She's wishing me a happy Valentine's Day. And here, she lost her husband, but she took the time to get a card and send it to me. And that was amazing to me. That sounds like Sandra. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you for sharing. That's great. That's beautiful. I know there's a lot of things that go on behind the scenes here at church and in other churches as well in the community. Think of folks who are fostering kids, uh, folks who are participating in, um, say, families for children and taking, you know, taking in kids and, and just serving others. A lot of things that happened during campaign week, you know, a lot behind the scenes, a lot of people making meals. It was fun to see... Uh, uh, Tia, my wife Tia, coordinated, you know, the kind of a cooking team, and they invade our house like on the Monday of conference week, and this army of women come in to my home, and they like, poof, they blast out all the food for three nights in a row, and package it all up, and it's like an assembly line, and they're in and out in like two hours, and you know, it's done, and uh, they don't tell anybody about it, they just go do it, and then we get to come conference week and enjoy three great meals that other people put together for us, and I'm thankful for that. It's great. Oh, John's got one over here. Tom's getting a workout. It's a long walk for Tom. Um, the one that I thought of was the bars. Seth and Amy Barr have a, um, a foster care placement right now. Um, he's a teenager, and they, um, through that process, they decided to... Uh, finish a bedroom in their basement. So they finished up an area in their basement. And um, that's an example of, a, even, first of all, a lot of people probably don't even know that they've taken somebody in. But there's also um, five or six people who helped 
get that basement space ready, right? Um, and so, and it was funny, because I was down there, I just went down to help him paint, and I, my point isn't to bring up that I helped him paint, I was there for like 12 minutes, don't worry. Um, it's a humble brag right there. And, did you hear that? Did you hear that? And, he, and I was like, hey, man, this drywall looks really good, you did a really good job on this. And he was like, kind of waited a second, and he was like, well, I, you know, so-and-so helped me with the drywall, and I was like, oh, well, that explains why it looks good. And then I was like, well, this over here, like this, I mean, you did a really good job. And he goes, well, I asked so-and-so to come by, and this swung by. And so really, he hadn't done anything, you know, um, <laughs> except, uh, except bring in the, the teenager, the, by far the hardest part. And I hadn't done anything either. But, but it was just cool to connect these dots of like, oh, yeah, we've got this community of people that um, I would have never known that they helped him with that. They would have never told me. Um, they would have never told all, all you folks either. You know, it's just, it's a cool thing when we witness that, um, kind of that, uh, that circle of support that happens when we, um, when we gather around each other, uh, when we need something. My wife and I have had a really similar experience uh, uh, recently with meals and with different things like that. We've been very thankful for our church family. So thank you all. Yeah, thanks, John. Yeah, in the first service, Tia talked about the meal train that, that we do, and some of you know about it, some of you don't know about it, and some of you participate in it, but it's, uh, she'd shared how, you know, somebody in church has a need, they have a crisis situation, or maybe they just need some extra help, and they reach out and say, can we get on the meal train? And so she throws it out in an email, hey, can anybody want to make meals? And it's like popcorn, boom, 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 boom. It just starts happening. And I'm not talking about the kind of happening where you have to just send the email and then you hear crickets, and then you start calling people, and then you start to pushing people like, she sends an email out and people just go. And that's, I love that about our church. I just love that. So. Anybody else? Okay, let's roll the next one. Um, so this one is similar to service, but it's also related, right? We talked about hospitality and biblical hospitality. Um, John did a message on this, and then um, uh, Tammy uh, did a message on this. I think it was last weekend, if I'm getting my dates right. Um, about being a friend to foreigners or one who loves strangers. And John spent a good amount of time reminding us that like, cultural hospitality is fine. There's nothing wrong with that. And being hospitable and having meals and hosting friends and doing all that, that's good. But it's not really what biblical hospitality is because biblical hospitality tends to oftentimes cost you something or it's awkward or you're helping somebody and you don't have any idea who they are. You're just trying to be a friend to strangers or foreigners and do something for them. And, uh, you know, that's not the same. It's a little bit more challenging. So on the next one, I'd love to hear some stories um, of maybe when somebody showed you hospitality. And it might not have been recent. It might have been in the past it, uh, where you were in a situation maybe newer to an environment or you were kind of the foreigner in the sense that you were the outsider maybe. Uh, and people just kind of stepped up and helped you out. I'd love to hear times when that happened. Yeah. Hi. Um, when John and I first got married 15 years ago, we were going to move into a house, and it wasn't ready yet. And Danielle and Andy Debbink, I don't know if anyone knows them, but they opened our house to them. Or to, they opened their house to us. <laughs> Um, and we stayed there for at least a month right after we had gotten married. And I knew Danielle. Um, John grew up with them. But still, I just thought that was so generous of them just to be like, come into our home. We were newly married. You know, 
I didn't really have any friends here and they let us eat their food. They didn't charge us anything. You know, we were 21 and 22. I just thought that was really cool that they just didn't even really think about it. It wasn't even like, oh, maybe we'll do this. So like, oh, stay with us for a month or however long it takes. So anyway, I thought that was really incredible. That's cool. That's great. Kind of like that time when you're, you go to the go to the new school and you show up and the, you, all the cool kids are at the cool kid lunch table and nobody wants you to sit. And you get invited. It's kind of nice, right? Yeah. Anyone else? Any other examples of somebody reaching out and helping you? Okay, so when I went away to college, I was like super homesick. And on Thanksgiving, there was a family who just opened their house to have Thanksgiving for any of the students who couldn't go home. And I just remember like just feeling so loved. Um, so it was a simple thing, but it did cost them like they they had a bunch of strangers in their house. So anyway. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah. I remember when our son Clay was at West Point and they were there for boot camp and uh, some families there did the same thing. They were like at a midpoint. They said, hey, we're going to do ice cream and stuff on a Wednesday night. And these guys were like, ice cream? I'm there, right? Because you know, they were starving to death. <laughs> but anyway, it was great to, to see that. So, Ross. Ross has got one. Question from the booth. It's not going to mess up our tech, maybe in this close, is it? No, we got a great sound guy. Uh, so I recently started a new job, uh, and uh, Jenny stays at home full-time with the kids. So most people would think that the impact would kind of be on me starting a new job, but it really did throw off the rhythm of our house and how available I was and um, you know, my focus being probably more so on my job than it historically is on the house, the kids, the family, and her, and everything like that. Uh, and she had a friend just reach out to her from LifeBridge, maybe a few days in or a week or so in, just checking in to see how she was doing because, uh, you know, she'd been through that situation before with her, you know, husband going through a job change and, you know, kind of the stresses that are on, you know, the, the you know, her for leading the house and taking care of the kids and, you know, just doing all the things that, that you know, moms and wives and, you know, do all the time. So it was just really good to hear because, you know, there was a lot of attention on me and I was kind of in myself a little bit thinking about how I was adapting and getting through the change. Uh, but it was great that somebody had reached out and identified that maybe she was going through a transition period as well. Uh, so that was pretty cool. And it wasn't, a you know, an elaborate you know, hosting or, you know, a meal or anything like that, although that would have been great. Uh, but it was just the fact that, you know, I think it's just the awareness and the, uh, you know, being very conscious of, uh, you know, the emotional connections and the emotional uh, challenges that, that people are going through as well. So that was pretty cool. That's great. Thanks, Ross. So, no, we'll, I'll just text myself, put Jenny on the meal tree. <laughs> <laughs> Low carb, yeah, keto, keto meal train. Yeah, there we go. Great. Okay, let's roll. Let's roll the next one. Um, so this last topic was, it can be a little bit harder because it talks about unity. And we've talked about the table being a place of uni unity. 
And we maybe always sit around the table with family and friends, but sometimes we have to sit around the table with people we don't necessarily get along with or we don't necessarily agree 100% with. And what is that like and how that goes? And so, but John reminded us that this was a big topic. Like this was a big deal for Jesus when he talked. And then John, he said, I've given them the glory that you gave me, that they may be one as we are one, I in them and you in me, so that they may be brought to complete unity. Then the world will know that you sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. And so, you know, a lot of words there, but obviously Christ is basically saying if the church isn't unified, then people aren't going to understand that it's from God. They're going to think it's just a social club. It's a man thing that we just made up. Man meaning human thing, not guys. Sorry. But the point being, it's a big deal, and yet it's really hard. It's hard to be unified. And so on that topic, um, next question was maybe sharing a time or a situation that challenged the unity of the church you were in. And again, it doesn't have to be LifeBridge. It can be anywhere. And how, how the church remained unified through it. Like, how did you, how did you deal with it? Um, how did that go? And this can be a little weird. Like, maybe you don't want to talk about it, and that's fine. But I can tell you that, um, you know, personally for me, um, you know, I was fortunate to be able to serve on staff at a church uh, down in Illinois for a while. And uh, at the beginning of that, uh, I was in one church who was essentially, we merged or were like acquired by a larger church in the area. And um, it, was a, it was a good thing, and it was a work of God, but it was really hard. <laughs> and, uh, you know, you imagine somebody coming along and saying, hey, um, LifeBridge is now part of, you know, XYZ, cam- you're a campus of another bigger church in the area. Like, people are going, yeah, I don't, that's not what I signed up for. Yeah, that's not why I'm going to church here. Like, whatever. And yet, God was in it. And I was part of the staff and leadership team on that, and it was very difficult. Um, but, we, but we got through it, and I don't think we would have gotten through it if it weren't for the fact that God was in it, because we would have blown it up. Like, I guarantee you we would have blown it up. Um, and so it took a while, and it had ebbs and flows, um, but that's an example of where I felt like God was telling us, you got to keep the main thing the main thing. It's not about you. It's not about your church. It's not about your logo on your building. It's, uh, it's much different than that. So I'd love to hear any other, any other stories or things that people have encountered in the church that uh, broadly that they'd like to share about. Because it might sound awkward to talk about it, but it's also a chance to show how God, God does some, did something cool. Think of the I think of the days through uh, I was going over to Dan, of the days through uh, going into contemporary worship. Some of us remember that. Like get the the, the we're, we're going to do hymns at the eight o'clock and contemporary at the ten o'clock and how we had to do that. And drums were always such a big deal too. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, when I went to North Park in Chicago uh, and joined the worship teams there, they intentionally mixed up people with different like denominational backgrounds as well as musical backgrounds. You'd be sitting in a room with somebody who like grew up going to like really inner city gospel churches. And I had a pianist from Sweden on my team who did like jazz piano and hymns on organs. And that was his thing. And like we had people who just picked up a bass for the first time who wanted to just join and play. 
So it was really interesting, like trying to navigate all those different perspectives. And it was cool how um, God just like combined all these different styles into weird uh, like conglomerations of music. Like we'd have really cool like contemporary gospel things or like a new take on a hymn that nobody would have expected before or a new arrangement of a contemporary piece to throw in more jazz chords that somebody else liked to play it like that. And it was, uh, it was a good time just seeing how different people are unified in situations like that. That's cool. Thanks, Daniel. I know the, the idea that we're all supposed to be unified, I think a lot of times we fall into the slide that that means we're supposed to agree with each other all the time. Or it's supposed to be really comfortable and happy. And yeah, it, it shouldn't be chaos, but the reality I think is that God is, if, if, we're not, if we're not experiencing some degree of discomfort, then we're probably not trying hard enough. This is kind of what God's been teaching me through this whole thing. It's like you've you got to push the envelope a little bit, and uh, otherwise you may not be. Anybody else want to share anything on this one? Last chance. Okay, well, thanks. Thanks for, oh, we got one over here. Didn't see you, sorry. Tom's coming behind you. Yeah, at our last church in Colorado Springs, uh, we were going through a difficult time because we decided to, well, at least the church elders decided to sell the building to a Lexus dealership. And that was extremely divisive in our community. And it was really hard for everyone because they were going to, eventually they moved to a different campus, I believe possibly in a Catholic church, I forgot, or a school, a school, yes. So that was extremely hard for everyone to get along because everyone had different opinions about it. Everyone was divisive, but we were able to still do church and we were able to talk about it and we were able to be civil with each other. So that was a way that we were unified despite disagreements. Yeah, that's great. That's a great story. Thank you. <laughs> 